Welcome to You Still, a podcast hosted by me, Ella Delancey-Jones. We talk about motherhood, the absolute elation and the surprises, as well as attempting to bridge the gap between who we were before we had our children and who we are now. Don't forget to follow at You Still Podcast on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss a thing. It's lovely to have you here. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of You Still. I still can't believe I'm doing this to be honest. I never thought I would have a podcast. I thought that this kind of thing was out of my reach, out of my out of my technical range and it's been a bit of a learning curve but I think I'm kind of getting there so obviously this isn't uploaded yet but it will be so hopefully if you're listening to it I've figured it out and we're there. So for those who don't already know, I am Ella Delancey-Jones, I am a freelance journalist and copywriter and I am Polly's mum. At the time of recording, she is eight months old, pretty much exactly, and she is doing amazingly. She is crawling, she is eating, she is screaming randomly, and yeah, she's just brilliant. We've had a few weeks of insanely bad sleep, which was down to an eight-month sleep regression, which I didn't even know was a thing. I thought it was kind of the four-month one and then that was it, but apparently not. But we seem to be coming out the other side of that, which I'm so grateful for. I am not a great person when I have had no sleep. It just makes me feel so dark. I'm sure you can relate. So why the podcast? The podcast came about because I was really surprised when I gave birth to Polly about how much of a monumental life shift it was. And you hear about it, you know, they say, oh, you know, your life is never going to be the same again. I kind of knew that. I knew that what we were doing by having a baby was going to be, you know, change our lives forever. But I just didn't realize how much and how much I would change. I, I kind of went into pregnancy and motherhood with a bit of arrogance, I think, and especially definitely naivety. Because I remember reading or seeing posts on Instagram or wherever, and it was like, you know, how much these mothers who have been through it before me were saying their lives were going to change and I was so determined that it wasn't going to be me I wasn't going to change what my life was like I didn't want to change who I was I knew I knew I knew who I was as a person so you know just having a baby I was just kind of that naive thing of I'm going to slot them into my life and that's the way it's going to be and I'm going to stand strong and that's the way it is and I, I just couldn't have been more wrong So from the very, very early days and as time has gone on, you know, I'm eight months in now, I have spoken to countless mothers about our experiences and some of the things that we are talking about in our group chats and our WhatsApps and our DMs are things that aren't really spoken about. I feel like when I was pregnant, you know, people say to you about the sleep that you're going to lose and, oh, you know, your life's going to change, but you don't really get it until you get it, until you're in it, you don't get it. And I felt like when I started talking to people after the fact, after I'd given birth, it was like the veil had been lifted, like I had gone through the looking glass and I was part of this brand new world and all of us, all the mothers that I speak to, we're just all kind of in the same boat going, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, we get it. So I just wanted to bring everyone into this podcast as like a big group chat 
it's like a big group chat. That's what I want it to be. That's what I want people to relate to and feel like they can trust me with their stories. I want to bring some experts in. I've already got quite a few lined up. I want to cover sleep. I want to cover mental health. I want to cover friendships, marriage, you know, the nitty gritty, the, the amazing things about being a mother, but also the little bits that you, the, the kind of still now I'm like, what the hell is going on? What am I doing? And will I ever feel okay about this? I'm really keen to cover a lot of angles and a lot of topics, but I don't want to be prescriptive. I don't want to be biased. I don't want to be making people feel bad about things. I want it to be really neutral while covering hard-hitting topics. I want people to come to this podcast and feel like, yeah, okay, wow, I didn't know somebody else felt like that. There's been times where I've shared stuff on my own Instagram sometimes I feel like am I being too open with this (laughs) but actually the feedback that I've had sometimes from just sharing something really small just for someone to come back to me and say oh I went through that and this is what I did or I went through that and it ends It, it it comes to an end and now everything's fine or that I've shared something and then someone said, oh, I, I, I remember when you, you shared that and I did this and it really helped, so thank you. That is the kind of vibe I'm going for. I want it to feel like you are sitting in my living room with me and we are having a chat and our kids are on the floor playing with the bloody Tomy eggs or whatever the hell they are. Just listen while you're folding laundry, while you are attempting to put a screaming child to bed while you are having a nice glass of wine because that's probably how I'm going to record most of them to be honest so in the pipeline we have so much coming up so as I've said already we're going to cover marriage we're going to cover friendships we're going to cover other relationships we're going to cover sleep we're going to cover feeding which I'm really nervous about but I'm hoping I'll do it justice we're going to have loads of experts on we're also going to have some of my friends we're going to have some special guests I'm so excited I kind of want to do it all at once but without further ado I want to kick off this episode and this whole series for the very first time of you still the topic of becoming mum so I I was thinking about when I was writing this episode I was like when do you become mum when do you become mum is it when you first get pregnant I mean I'm sure we'll piss some people off in Texas if we say no but you know when when do we when do we actually become mum because For me personally, I felt like it was really surreal. I was pregnant. I was loving being pregnant. I went through kind of a lot of trauma in my pregnancy, which I will cover further down the line. Gave birth and then I had this baby and I knew I knew that I was her mother, obviously. For me personally, I didn't realise that I was someone's mum, that I was actually someone's mother until I it I, I will remember this forever, okay? So what happened was, I think we'd been in the hospital for a week and we'd come home and I think we we were like day two at home and I had taken Polly into the next room and into her little bedroom and she was awaiting a nappy change or something and Will was still in bed and I was so tired. I was so, so, so tired. I had an episiotomy and I was in so much pain and I was hungry. I needed a shower and... Will was in bed as I said and I just looked at him and I thought you know all I want to do is just climb into bed with you 
all I want to do is climb into bed, close my eyes, sleep and just be with you and just wait until I feel better. And I just realized that I, I can't, I can't. I could hear her starting to cry in her bedroom and I finally kind of realized the gravity of the situation. I kind of really felt then that I had a foot in both worlds. I was like, you you either obviously step towards Will and you, you try and live this lie that you can carry on the way that you always did or you step into the other world which is you know you go and tend to Polly and then that's how it's going to be for the rest of her life and obviously I did go to her because she's my little tiny baby and since then I kind of realized that that was the really the moment when I was like wow this is really something and I'm I'm someone's mum so that was my that was my huge realization. So I'm really intrigued to hear about when you when you first felt that you were someone's mom. Like when did it hit you? Please let me know. I think a lot of you follow me on on Instagram anyway. If you don't, it is at you still podcast. Please let me know when you felt like you became mum. So now I want to introduce my very first guest. Her name is Iman Hafiz Quinton. She is the owner of EHQ Jewelry and she is perfect for this episode because she became mum at the same time that I became mum. Her little boy Cairo is three days older than Polly and our pregnancies and kind of what we went through is very very similar and we have had each other throughout our whole pregnancies and she has been the most unwavering support from then until now and there's no one better to to chat about this topic than her so without further ado hello thank you for coming on my first episode of you still I'm so happy to have you here thank you for having me Ella no problem it was like when I was writing the the episodes I was like this is the only person that needs to be on this episode like there's just no one else that's better so well I mean we went through it together so it makes sense right I know I know I'm gonna have to tell the story actually so I fell pregnant in February of 2021 and was trying so hard to keep it a secret I found out really early as well because we were trying and obviously we were trying to keep it quiet until the 12 week mark and we we told a few people and then I announced it to our little we had got a little girls group chat and I announced it and within like maybe 30 seconds my phone was ringing and who was it it was Iman yeah no it's a funny story because I think like you and I were never friends like I knew of you but I never hung out with you and like it's just it's weird because we've got a group of friends it's a big group of friends and within those friends we've got cliques our cliques never kind of met but I'd see you on a night out I knew you were Will's fiance and that was it that's as far as it went and I'll never forget because we were trying as well and so my husband Peter and I we decided after he broke my neck in (laughs) December 2020 it was all fun and games we were trying to dance I went over his shoulders he dropped me and there's nothing more to it other than that and it was like a moment where I was like oh my god like anything can happen like you don't realize it one minute I'm here the next minute could be gone and that was that could have happened to me so then like Peter and I when I when I like finally healed and recovered we were like okay you know what maybe it's time to start a family like that was what spurred on (laughs) 
<laughs> the near-death experience on. we fell pregnant we had just come back from a tesco shop and i had seen your message in the group chat and it said ella lucy has announcement will and i are expecting a baby we're about nine i think you had announced it just under the 12 week mark i think it was around the eight nine ten mark i think okay because will really yeah. wanted to tell a couple of his friends and I was like, well, we can't tell this person without this person because these people are together and mm-hmm. everyone's going to know. So you might as well just kind of introduce it slowly and then do a bigger announcement at the 12-week mark. I, yeah. So when I saw that message, I, I just grabbed Pete. I was like, oh, you will never guess what. And he was like, what, what, what? And I will are having a baby and he was like pull up pull up pull up I was like right pull up somewhere because I'm calling her and he was like babe but you don't even know her like that I was like no my confidence has kicked in I'm calling her to tell her we're pregnant so I'll never forget I messaged you going like I left that group chat and opened a private window and was like congratulations so happy for you are you free and you were like yeah is everything okay (laughs) is everything okay I didn't even wait I just dialed straight away FaceTime with such confidence. I was like, hey, Ella, hi, Will, congratulations. Just so you know, we're expecting a baby too. And like it was then we realized we were only three days apart. Because mm-hmm. I think we had that app um, that told us how far along you were. So yeah, that's how we became friends. And the rest is history. I was literally about to say the, re- the rest is history. It's just a side note, just by the way, because obviously the context is, is a bit lost here. The reason why we know each other is Iman, my husband Will, and Iman's husband Peter went to uni together. And then I know them through him. But yeah, it's just crazy. Like how how one thing changes and all of a sudden it's like this, this person that you barely know, because you're right we didn't really hang out separately at all I actually don't think there's been a day where I haven't spoken to you since that day when whenever that's happened we both panic we're like um it's radio silence on the other end is everything okay and like we've been so good at that mm-hmm. to know that actually not everything's okay and like I've picked up days where you're like no man I'm like I'm just not with it at all like the sleep deprivation, the worries, the anxieties, they're all playing up. And the times that I've been quiet, you've picked up on it and just been like, listen, what's happening? And that's what we need. And that's what we've needed. So great to have that because I don't think anyone can at that point understand what we're going through unless they've gone through it as well. I think something that's really important and something that I I don't, obviously I don't know any different, but how I survived the very, very early days. I know people who have children. I know people who've been through it before. I've got some very close friends who've got Mm -hmm. children who are a couple of months older so they they're very close to the situation but there was no one in that moment apart from you that was like are you feeling like this today has this happened yet are you going out of your mind because the baby is up for the 15th time that night I was texting you at three o'clock in the morning because you were awake yep and that's essentially what we bonded over like I am so grateful that you were with me throughout this whole pregnancy journey because it's not all smooth sailing like it really isn't there's so much glamour to pregnancy but there is lips there is ups and downs and that comes without notice like it happens overnight and you're just like who do I turn to like who will understand me right now and I think most of my text messages to you in times of where I was panicking didn't make sense they were just incoherent a lot of the time and I was like I'm leaving that to you to make sense of (laughs) I've learned how to read your incoherent text now it's like another language sometimes you're like how did you get that I'm like I just know I get it it's true like I found a whole new friendship with you 
yeah. but also a whole new like our dynamic has changed like even our husbands have got closer in this time and that's been really nice to see that's love that's love and there's just like a whole <laughs> new love and respect for one another I think for you and Will and for myself and Peter now we're like planning family trip <laughs> we're like talking about when the kids are older because I just feel like this isn't something that's fleeting you know some relationships and friendships are fleeting sometimes you are really great friends with someone for a really short time and then you kind of not anymore because your circumstances change but I just feel like this one is something that I hope you feel the same that it's kind of going to be built to last you've got a really strong foundation and oh yeah girl I ain't going nowhere (laughs) as you get get rid of me then that's your issue (laughs) this episode was to do with becoming mum and as we've said you know we became mums together how about you when do you feel like you realized that you were mum that you were someone's mother god you know I think the first time that I think a decision weighed heavy on my shoulders before I even gave birth was when you and I had to decide whether or not to go through with the COVID jab and we were pregnant at like I think it was 17 weeks at that time we'd also fallen pregnant the height of the pandemic but they were starting to roll out these COVID jabs but there also wasn't a lot of information on whether pregnant women could have these jabs at that time but then when you look at statistics the most vulnerable population were pregnant women and people that were elderly and had underlying health conditions so we were just sat there like I remember having these genuine breakdowns because I had to make a decision not for myself anymore it was someone else that I had to keep in mind and I don't think that I would have been able to live with myself if I had made the wrong decision so I remember like you and I had gone for like conferences seminars we'd contacted people for goodness sake like I even contacted a doctor in Dubai and yeah like that was a really big decision I had like we had to make and I think for me that was the first time because in my head naively I thought right I have these nine months where I will like I will physically change my appearance but I don't have to care for anyone in those nine months those are mine and Peter's last nine months as like just a couple together that 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 never happened we had so many decisions to make along the way that I was like holy crap I am someone's mom already I think I realized I was like a whole mother when unfortunately my son Cairo got taken to um, neonatal ICU And I had to make, sorry, this is the first time I'm ever speaking about this. So I had to make decisions whilst he was fighting for his life. I was discharged from hospital 24 hours after um, I'd given birth. Everything was absolutely fine. Cairo had passed his newborn checks. I had also been given the green light to go home. And it wasn't until like the next day I noticed that Cairo was a little bit yellow. And I'd heard of jaundice. So I just thought, Oh, okay, well, this will this will pass because no one's ever raised jaundice as something serious. And I think at this time you were still in hospital um, with Polly. That same day, the midwife came to see me, and she she also recognised that Cairo was yellow, but felt that this was absolutely fine. It was normal, and I had seen I had been out in the community for about five days before we'd taken him to hospital. But in those five days, he had had continuous midwife checks where. I felt he was still looking very, very yellow. On day five, like my husband and I decided to take Cairo to hospital because we just weren't feeling confident with 
what was being told to us. And I remember it was only one parent at that time because we were still in COVID. So I sat outside and I remember like my breasts were so painful this time because I had so much milk and I was ready to feed Cairo. But Pisa hadn't messaged me for that. So I kept messaging him. I was like, does Cairo not want to feed? Does Cairo not want to feed? And he just said, oh, he's fine. He's just having checks done. But he hadn't told me the full story because I think he knew I was on my own outside. I would be panicking if he had messaged me anything else. So he just calls me and he says, oh, come in. Um, One of the pediatricians wants to talk to you. And I will never forget that walk down that corridor. It's a short walk. But I know when a, when a doctor wants to talk to you, it's never good. So the doctor said, we don't know how this has got this bad, but your son's jaundice is at life-threatening levels and we need to take him to ICU. I didn't understand any of this. I don't think I digested any of this, but I was in the lift with the doctor and we went upstairs. They straight away started wiring Cairo up and they placed two chairs in front of his incubator where the another doctor was rushed in and told us that they don't think he they don't know what his chances are of survival. But whilst we were told this information and told the risks and told how he may turn out, I could hear the phone ringing in the back whilst another doctor is blue requesting for bloods to be blue light for a blood transfusion. It's just, I think that was when it dawned on me that like I'm a mother now and this boy is fully dependent on me and I have to make the right decisions in his best interest right here, right now. And those are the hardest. Anyways, they managed to bring his jaundice down through blood transfusion. And from that day on, like, it haunts me. I don't think I've ever healed. Cairo has, as a result of this, he's got brain damage. And one of the symptoms of his brain damage is now Cairo has been diagnosed with cerebral palsy. That in itself has its struggles. But he's joined the Cerebral Palsy Warrior Club and he's doing amazing. He's doing as great as he can. And that also taught me unconditional love. Like, I always heard that mothers have unconditional love for their child. But I remember saying to myself, however Kyber turns out, I will love him no matter what. And that's never, I didn't think I had that in me. That's what a mother has. And that's the day I realized I am his mother. I don't know if I will heal from this. Like, I am grieving every day of what would have been. Our journey looked very different to a typical, I guess, expected journey. Because that's exactly what I expected. I expected that for us. It's not just anything that should be brushed off. Jaundice causes brain damage and jaundice is can be life-threatening if it's mismanaged. And that's exactly what has happened with Cairo. It was so preventable. It's a preventable brain damage. But everything Cairo went through was completely and could have been completely avoidable. His brain damage was caused by the hyperbilirubin and the jaundice had traveled to his brain. This is a very clear example of serious medical negligence because the outcome is complex and how it affects him, we don't know. We, only time can tell and that's the hardest part of his development. Cronicturus is his diagnosis and this happens when a health professional mismanages jaundice. Jaundice is otherwise harmless if managed properly. I remember the day we decided to take Kyra to hospital. We had seen the midwife that day as well. We had raised his jaundice that same day. She had taken a Billy Rubin test and said he was absolutely fine. I remember when we got home, my mum would say, it was saying like, something's not right. So Peter and I decided to take him to hospital that very night. And that's when our world just got flipped upside down. 
I think it's so important for health professionals, especially midwives who will be in the community looking after mothers and babies, to know just how deadly jaundice really is and to not put it down to skin tone. Um, I am South South Asian heritage. I am Pakistani. My husband is English. This midwife put it down to my darker skin tone and saying it was harder to tell whether Cairo had jaundice because of this. But nonetheless, just keep him in your prayers and in your hopes. And we all have faith. So I just want to say a huge thank you to you for sharing your story and Kara's story and Peter's story when you are still going through it and you have been so vulnerable on this podcast it's it's a massive huge undertaking for you and as you said if you just help even one person no I mean like thank you for having a space safe enough for me to feel like I can and could have spoken about it because it's not easy. It's incredibly hard. Only a handful of people know what we've been going through as a family. Um, but I think it's about time. Kyra's getting older and I've promised him one thing, that I will always be his advocate. And I will, if I can save another baby's life, I will do it. And that's my promise to him. It's so blasé in the way that people speak about jaundice, even to some extent health professionals, because the way we were told to deal with Kyra's jaundice was put him near the window and this put him near the window keep feeding him fluids, he'll be absolutely fine. And when you Google jaundice, it literally says it's high levels or hyperbilirubin, which is like the yellowing. All you need is a bit of light therapy or blood transfusion. Uh, I'm sorry, a blood transfusion written so casually like that. It's it's not a small thing. Mm -hmm. At that point, it's too late. So yes, please, if your child does look yellow, even a tint of yellow please raise it and know that that child needs possibly needs some light therapy and don't leave until you get some jaundice testing or bilirubin testing and he is amazing we love him so much will loves him so much as well (laughs) i love the love will has for cairo like whenever we're around whenever we go around each other's house i don't see my son but that's just not possible will's got my son i'm like right will (laughs) we're nappy change (laughs) motherhood is full of surprises as we know good and bad so what is the biggest surprise or change about yourself or about your son or anything that you've noticed since becoming a mom I think just the back end of like that, that conversation is just how strong I am. I think I surprised myself at the resilience I have as a mother, as a as a daughter, as a wife. Like I, it's unlocked a whole new level of strength and running on zero. Like I have zero in my fuel tank, but I'm still going. I've got a flat to maintain. I've got a marriage to maintain. I'm a mother. I'm also a daughter. I'm an auntie. I'm a sister. It's just like all these different labels and expectations, you know, people have of you that you need to continue to fulfill. And that's maybe in a pressure that I've put myself, but I have surprised myself in that sense. I didn't think I had it in me to just keep going. And that's probably unhealthy, but it's just kind of how I'm coping with my situation. It helps me not think about all of that and just keep going. And I think the, the, like, I know the word guilt weighs heavy on anyone's shoulders, but mom guilt is just, 
insane. Like I'm ev- every day, like I feel I have some sort of guilt because sometimes the way I speak sounds so selfish. I'm like begging for my own time. Like Peter walks in through the door at 5 p.m. and I'm handing Cairo over to him. I'm like, give me half an hour to do what I want to do. But then in the half an hour, I'm sat with them too. I'm desperate for my own time, but feel so guilty for having wanting my own time that I will go and sit with them and still be a mom. I just can't switch off. It, it's it's so bizarre to me. Like even when he napped, that is my time to do something. No, I will either watch him by sitting next to him or watch him on that baby monitor. I, I, I don't do anything. <laughs> no, I feel exactly the same. And we actually do have a little sneaky peek. We do have somebody coming on to talk about mum guilt and how to deal with that because that's something I really, really struggle with as well. I don't think we're alone in that. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm the same, like begging for a bit of time just to be me, just myself again. And then when she's in bed, finally, mm. I will scroll through my phone and look at the thousands of pictures I took of her that day or... I'm kind of like, oh, should I, should I, is she waking up? Should I go, go to her or, but I think I completely agree with you about this. What surprised me, I was going to say, what surprised me is how much I can get done in 10 minutes, which is a lot, by the way, when that's the only time you have. But um, yeah, I am totally in tune with you. The amount of work and effort you can put in when you are literally running on empty and you have no fuel in the tank it's taking like physical effort and pain to like talk to someone or hold a conversation or you know the brain power that you've got to use to remember people's birthdays and be a good friend and be a good wife and be a good mom and be good to yourself is incredible I haven't even mentioned the house but yeah it's, forget the uh, house it's, it's just one big mess forget the house that's what they say forget the house that's, that's what everyone says it's like oh forget the house who else is going to do them if not for me honey I mean we've texted each other and we've said can we find a cleaner can can a cleaner come around and help us because I can't do laundry three times a day it's just impossible the way these kids go through clothes is just incredible my bill has gone don't talk to me about bills Jesus Christ so knowing what you know now as the mother of an eight month old they are both eight months old which is crazy is there any advice you'd give yourself or anyone that's going to become a mum in the next few months or anyone that's a mum now that's kind of maybe struggling what would you say I would say you don't have control over anything like I was someone during my pregnancy that had packed the hospital bag well before the baby was even here I'd done all the baby shopping I had put in so many contingency plans I'd done all my risk assessments no amount of planning will prepare you for what's about to come you're gonna have to accept that whatever relationship or situation you're in it's going to change our marriage has 100% changed. I'm not saying the transition's bad. You just have to work harder. You have to find more time for yourselves, for each other, because you have a whole baby that takes up 24-7 of your time. And I don't just mean like, you know, when the baby's down, you're like, okay, let's have some time together. But in that time together, you end up doing house admin. Well, that's, I speak for myself, Peter, like we end up cleaning the house because we're like, oh my God, how have we let the house become this bad? And we use that time to clean the house. So I think it's so important to schedule in that time for yourself and not do any house admin or life admin at that time. And the other thing is accept help when help is offered. I am so bad 
at accepting help. And it took me probably when Cairo was five months, I started going home and staying. I don't know why I didn't do it earlier, but I was so anxious about so many things. I'd got him in a really good routine. His, it was just everything was accessible here. Like I already, I already knew our challenges. So if there's anything that I could tell myself going back when I was planning everything is literally drop that pen, get rid of those notepads. Nothing is in your control. Um, and accept the help when friends offer when family offers grab it and go and enjoy that time for yourself and your relationship or your partner go be you and thrive baby thrive oh my god that totally resonates with me all of what you've just said I think mine would totally echo that the only other advice I would say is probably just to lower the expectations of yourself. I hold myself to such a high standard. And even now, eight months in, I still haven't managed to drop those standards. So when I'm dropping the ball on something, be it, you know, I haven't spent the quality time with Will, the house is a mess, or my work isn't really getting done. There's always some plate that I'm spinning that I'm dropping, but I've pride myself previously on spinning every single plate. So when I feel like I'm dropping those plates, I feel like I'm failing. So I'm really very, very slowly trying to take my own advice and just trying to slowly lower my expectations slightly. It doesn't matter if you haven't hoovered today. Work-wise, there's nothing that is so urgent that it matters so much that it doesn't matter if you don't do it in in like one hour. You've got the time to do things. Will is still going to be there. You're so right, you need to work harder on the relationship. But if I need to be with Polly because she's not settling, it doesn't make me a bad wife because I'm not spending the time with Will. And you're so right. Take the help. I'm only just starting to do that as well. So we've got someone in to look after Polly because I'm still breastfeeding while I'm working upstairs. So that's amazing. We do that uh, about once a week so I can get a good chunk of work done. So then I'm more present for her when I'm playing with her and things like that. And I don't have work hanging over me. It also gives me a little bit of time in the evenings then to spend with Will and then also just family as well family helping you've been a great help as well so yeah take the help mama well I mean you and Will were the only reason that Peter and I went on our first date post Cairo you guys kept Cairo and we went to watch a movie and the movie I don't remember because I think we both fell asleep that's how exhausted (laughs) we were (laughs) Love that day. We loved it. We had two under one, and we were just like, right, you, you he's crying. Okay, okay. Now Polly's crying. Okay, uh, are they both gonna sleep? They're both gonna sleep. They're both asleep. Oh my god, we got this. Should we have another? No. <laughs> and we've never mastered that putting Cairo and Polly asleep at the same time. And we've wanted to for the longest time because we've been like, oh, we'll catch up then. We'll do maybe some TikToks. But no, yeah. that's never happened. They, are, they run on their own schedules, those kids. Oh, yeah, they really know how to mess things up. Thank you so much again for coming on to You Still. I appreciate it massively. You're one of my greatest friends. And I am so happy that I'm kicking off this project, like I have time for it, but kicking off this project with you by my side. So thank you so much. Thank you once again for having me. Thank you for having this space, being so safe. that I felt like I could open up for the first time ever on such a platform. Um, Thank you for being a great friend to me to Peter and the best auntie to Cairo and can't wait to see where this takes you I think you are doing incredible thank you for joining me for this episode of you still you can join the community and keep up to date with all new episodes by following at you still podcast on Instagram and Twitter 
If you want to get in touch to tell me how I'm doing, suggest new guests, or let me know which topics you'd like me to cover, email youstillpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you.